Hey everyone, I'm Meg Teets and this is Sorta Awesome. Welcome back, Awesomes. You are listening to the show that is all about helping you be smart, strong, and social. We are in your earbuds every single week with all the awesome that you need to know. And don't forget, you can find us on Instagram at Sorta Awesome Show or over on Facebook in our Sorta Awesome Hangout group. This is episode 218 of Sorta Awesome. And here we are, you guys. It's the beginning of November. Halloween is behind us. And like it or not, the stores are decking the halls and blaring the Christmas carols. So it's telling us it's time to get into that holiday mindset. That means that right now, this very week, it is actually a great time to start preparing not only mentally for the holidays ahead, but actually preparing your home and your kitchen as well. So I have the perfect person with me today on Sorta Awesome to talk about all of that. Rachel T. Meyer is one of the creators and editors of thrivinghome.org. It's a down-to-earth lifestyle blog that she and her friend Polly Connor began back in 2012 as a way to encourage and equip moms in the day-to-day challenges that come with raising a family. Now, since 2012, their site, Thriving Home, has risen to the top as a leader in the online freezer cooking space. And these time-strapped moms of three kids each jokingly refer to themselves as freezer meal evangelists. Rachel and Polly are the authors of two cookbooks. The first one was From Freezer to Table that came out in 2017. They have a brand new one coming out called From Freezer to Cooker that releases in January of 2020. They live with their families in Columbia, Missouri. So Rachel, welcome to Sorta Awesome. Wow, I'm so excited to be here, Meg. What a great intro. I'm so excited to have you here because I'm just going to be super honest and transparent up front and tell you that prepping meals ahead of time is not my strength in life. (laughs) That's okay. You have five kids and a newborn. (laughs) And honestly, it's hard for me. And I write a blog about it. I write cookbooks. You know, it's work for all of us. So I'm excited to be here today, share a few of the tips that I'm still learning. Well, I am so excited to learn from you and kind of learn alongside the awesomes. I know we have people in our awesome community who are fantastic with prepping meals ahead of time. And then some like me that are maybe newbies to the idea. And it's one of those things where I'm kind of like, I always think, you know what I should do? (laughs) And I never quite make that Right, right. So I am very excited to hear all that. And we are not just going to be talking about prepping meals. We're going to be talking about all kinds of other things that go into preparing ourselves as individuals and kind of preparing our families, our homes to start right now thinking about how can we have an awesome holiday season that's low on stress by starting some prep work early. We're going to get to all of that in just a few minutes, but first let's go ahead and start this show the way we always do with our awesomes of the week. This is the moment of the show where we stop and Just share something that's awesome in life right now, whether it's books or TV shows, movies, music, podcasts, products, whatever is making life a little bit happier right now. So Rachel, I can't wait to hear what you have brought for Sword Awesome for your awesome of the week. Well, I just finished my awesome thing of the week, actually about an hour and a half ago. 
I go to a class called Bar Fitness at our local workout center. And ah. it's a really small class. I know there's pure bar and different kind of variations of bar classes, but I did not grow up as a dancer. I did not grow up doing anything like that. But I've always enjoyed exercise and especially group exercise because to me, it's an hour that I get to go and spend with all kinds of women. That's one of the things I love about this class is there's older women, younger women, women of every size, you know, shape and color. And it, yeah. we come together and we have a lot of fun for an hour. So it feels like it doesn't really feel like, oh, I'm working out, you know, right. it feels like I'm having fun with my friends. And even today, people brought treats and, you know, occasionally people bring like, hey, I made everybody caramel apples for fall or whatever. Oh, so wow. we turned, it's kind of a tribe, you know, it's kind of a little uh, community. We're getting in shape and having fun together and listening to fun music. And it's great for my 41 year old, you know, already had three kids body. Yes. <laughs> to do some strength and do some balance and stretching and some cardio. So anyway, that's one of my favorite awesome things. That is so great. And we talk about a lot and sort of awesome, how important it is to work movement into your life in a way that actually is fun and that really is fulfilling for you as an individual. So for you, it may be bar, for someone else, it's Pilates, for someone else, it's you know running marathons, but just the idea that we need to be moving our bodies in some way. So finding that thing that clicks for us, that makes it like you just said, not so much something like, oh, I got to go work out. It's more like, oh, I get to go do yes, this. exactly. Thing. And especially for moms, you know, I mean, it's a stress reliever. Yeah. It helps me sleep better. Of course, I feel better about my body, but I always say it makes me happy mom. You know, <laughs> I come back, I'm like, oh, happy yes. mommy. <laughs> oh, totally. Love that. Okay. Well, my awesome of the week this week is a brand new podcast. And the podcast is called Catlick. So if you all have not tuned in to Catlick yet, I'm going to tell you, I think it's going to be your new favorite true crime podcast to check out. So it comes to us from somebody that is probably familiar to lots of you awesomes because the host, the creator of it has been on Sort of Awesome before. Back in episode 137, that episode is called Coming Out Conversations with Brett Trapp of Blue Babies Pink. Well, Brett now goes by BT Harmon professionally. So he has this brand new podcast project that he has been working on so long and he just launched it and it is totally my awesome of the week. So like I said, it is a true crime podcast. It's a historic true crime, which Rachel, are you into the true crime thing at all? Or are you? No, I haven't listened to much of that. I do love just reading a mystery. So I have to confess at night, yes. if I read a book yeah. or listen to something, it has to be calming, yes. <laughs> not something I'm going to have nightmares about. Totally. That's just what I'm at in life. Yes. But I could see myself really getting into something like that. So thanks for, well, for the tip. Yes. What I love about this is, you know, a lot of true crime, it kind of dances the line between telling a story and exploiting a story. And it mm -hmm. gets a little bit, I don't know, it's a fine balance, I feel like, in the creation of a lot of the true crime stuff that's so popular right now. But what BT has done is he is taking this story that took place back in the summer of 1911 in an area in Atlanta where he lives now in modern day. He kind of stumbled across this story when he was looking to buy a home in the Cabbage Town neighborhood or area of Atlanta. And he just kept coming across this story that people seem to know about that it was not anything he had ever, like it's not anything he'd ever heard about in American history classes or 
anything like that, but it's mm-hmm. essentially the story of kind of like America's first serial killer, which sounds a little bit terrifying on the surface. Yeah. But the way that BT handles it, he does it with so much sensitivity and he's really sensitive to the fact that this is a story, the Catholic story. It's a story about America and about race relations, about women and violence. And he just handles the whole story with such care that it does not feel Mm -hmm. like he's like exploiting the people who are involved or just sort of, you know, trying to capitalize on the true crime trend. Like this is a story that is so important to him. The more he dug into it, the more passionate he became about telling people like, oh my gosh, did you know this happened right here in Atlanta, right here in America, you know, at the turn of the last century and his passion for it, like totally comes through. So. Okay. All right. I'm hooked. I'll listen. Yes. You got me. It's so good. I love historical stories. Yeah, for sure. Yes, I will say great. that if you like historic stories, stories like little known stories from U.S. history or any, you know, genre of history, I think that this is something that you would totally love. And he does a very good job of saying like, there's going to be some, you know, upsetting or disturbing things having to do with violence in this episode, just to kind of give you a heads up. But at the same time, he does it in a way that is not like meant to be, how can I say this? His storytelling. Sensationalized or something. Yes, exactly. That's what I'm looking for. He does not do it in a sensationalized way. He does it in such a storytelling way. And like I said, his passion for the whole, the story and what happened, it just really comes through. So Mm -hmm. that's cool. I'm just here to say. Now I have to tell you, that made me think of something. I actually grew up hearing true real life crime stories because my dad was a police officer. He was a detective and then he became a U.S. Marshal. So this was like, our family would sit around the dinner table and we didn't have like normal conversations. It would be about, okay, who did you arrest today? Or what was the kind of like, I don't know, undercover or something, you know? And so I grew up sort of hearing real life stories. Yes. Oh my gosh. That's amazing. It's like, yeah, definitely. It's like not just a trend in culture for you. You're like, no, I grew up with right. in this world. And I know it from, you know, obviously the policeman, you know, end of things. But yeah, we thought that was so cool. We thought our dad was the coolest definitely. You know, when I was a kid. Definitely. Way more exciting than the conversations around our dinner table. My dad was a dentist. So we had <laughs> we had some goring stories, but not necessarily the oh. ones for sure. So yeah, yeah. Okay, well, we will have a link in the show notes today for Catlick, and you guys can go check it out. Again, I just highly, highly recommend it. BT is doing a fantastic job. I think by the time this episode drops, I think there's four episodes out. So it's totally enough where you can binge the beginning and kind of get hooked on this story. So, so great. Every week, we love to hear what's awesome in the lives of you, our listeners. So don't forget that every Friday morning on Instagram, if you're over there, you can come and find us at Sort of Awesome Show find our awesome of the week thread over there on Instagram and tell us what's awesome in your life. Or of course you can join us in our sort of awesome hangout group. Again, you guys, it's over 5,000 women who are active in there. We're supporting each other, helping each other find the awesome in life in all kinds of ways, big and small. So if you haven't joined us in our Facebook group where we do also talk about our awesomes of the week every Friday morning, you can do that by going to facebook.com slash groups slash sort of awesome hangout. All right. I can't wait to dig into some of this prepping for the holiday talk. But Rachel, first, before we get there, I was wondering if you could just tell us 
maybe a little bit of the background, the story of how you and Polly came up with the whole thing of Thriving Home, what your mission is, how it started, and what kind of work you're continuing to do with it today. Yeah, of course. So about 13 years ago now, I had my first child and I was working full-time for a church here in town. My husband's actually a pastor at that church. And I decided I was going to step back and just work part-time, stay home with my son. And the girl that we hired to take my position at the church happened to be Polly Connor, who is now my co-blogger, co-author. And so she and I got to know each other while she was working at the church and became pretty good friends during that time. And right about that time, we both actually began our own personal blogs because that was kind of the boom of the blog era, 2008 or so. And she is very crafty, very creative, was always doing DIY projects at home, flipping furniture. She's like total deal hunter kind of person and would find old furniture and change it up and blog about that. She Uh would do sewing uh tutorials, all the things I'm not good at. (laughs) And then I was on my blog, I was learning a lot about health and nutrition and cooking. And I had my friends and I had started a freezer club about that time. We'd all had our first kids and decided we were going to try to learn how to cook together and share meals with each other's families. Ah. So we started this freezer club. Yeah, it was like before any, there was nothing on the internet about it. We didn't even, we just had an idea. It was like, oh, my friend Darcy was like, what if we all cooked? big batch meals, and then came together once a month and we swapped them. So then we have a freezer full of, you know, good food for our families throughout the month. And we don't have to cook every day with a crying toddler on her, you know, leg or whatever. So anyway, I was over there blogging about, you know, these meals that I was making with my freezer club. And my son also at the time was a year and a half. His name's Jack. He got really sick as a toddler. I mean, really, really sick. Like no one could figure out what was wrong with him. And after months and months of seeing lots of different doctors and that kind of thing, we found out he has Crohn's disease, which is a autoimmune disease. It's, there's no cure for it. It presents differently in every single person, but it basically is your immune Mm. system attacking your digestive system. So at the time as a mom, I mean, I had no control over what was going on really, other than I thought I can feed him well, you know, what are the things I can have control over? I can control that. (laughs) And so I became like a lot of moms do that have a chronically ill child is you can become, you get down the rabbit holes of like nutrition and how can I change things in our home environment to make it healthier. And so I went to that place and learned a lot and wrote about it on this old blog. Well, anyway, I became very interested in food and developing recipes and thinking about how I can cook for my family in a way that they enjoy it, in a way that provides really good, well-rounded nutrition for them. And so that's kind of the genesis of that. So she and I were writing these two blogs and within a few years, we noticed, okay, like Google's sending us traffic and people we don't know are commenting on these blogs that we have. And so within a few years, she got pregnant, decided to stay home part-time as well. And at the time, we were both like, what if we combined forces? What if we took the things you're good at and the things I'm good at, and we started a blog together? We're both 
very entrepreneurial, hardworking yeah. kind of people and have lots of ideas, you know, we have a lot of synergy together. And what if we did that for a business? So again, this is kind of the start of that era where people yes. were beginning to what's called monetize blogs. And so, you know, we didn't totally know what we were getting into, but at the time we were all in, we were like, this is super fun. So we kicked it off January, 2012, and we've been writing faithfully about three to four times a week ever since then. And we've worked together now for eight years. And Amazing. Our, yeah, I have to say of all the things that we do that we've done in this business, one of my things I'm most proud about is our partnership. Yeah. The longer we do it, the more I think I recognize how hard it is sure. for business owners to work together long-term and bloggers work together long-term. So I always have a lot of respect when I meet people who have, because Polly and I joke, we're like, in some ways it's kind of like a, a second marriage, you know? That's what I was just thinking. Yeah. Yes. You have to have so much trust in that person. You have mm. to communicate a lot with that person. Yep. You know, you're dealing with money together, which is always tricky. That's tricky in my marriage, you know? Anyway, I've just really appreciated her friendship and how we both bring different things to the table. And over the years, we've really learned to respect each other and our differences and try to operate out of our strengths and make up for each other's weaknesses. Anyway, that's kind of a side note, but we started Thriving Home in 2012 and our heart has always been, and it continues to be eight years later, is to, like you mentioned at the beginning, is we just want to encourage and equip other moms like us mm -hmm. at home. I think it's really hard, whether you're a working mom, a part-time working mom, or a full-time stay-at-home mom, to juggle all the things that it takes to manage a home and raise a family and take care of yourself too, you know? Yep. So know. Yeah. over the years, we've just shared a lot of the things that we've been learning. We've got some more people on our team now that we think add a lot of great content and help us as well. And that's the idea behind our cookbooks too, is we just want to help moms in the kitchen in really practical ways. So great. I love that. I love the story of how it started organically through friendship and has just grown to be something that you guys can kind of feel like you're on mission together to have a bigger purpose for what you're doing with your online work. So it's really yeah, amazing. Absolutely. Thank you. Okay, well, let's kind of talk about the reason that we're here. And that's because here we are with the holidays just right around the corner. I wanted to start by talking a little bit about the holidays and family and stress, which, you know, <laughs> I think that's one of the most rude awakenings as a woman, as you grow into adulthood and you start to realize, oh my gosh, my mom or, you know, like parents or grandparents or whatever, they just like the holidays just happened and we were kids and we just showed up and, and it was <laughs> wonderful. And then when you're an adult, you're like, oh my gosh, I got to make the holidays happen. <laughs> <laughs> so much pressure. I have to adult. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, that's so true. I wanted to talk a little bit about what do you think some of the issues that women face around the holidays and maybe what encouragement you would have for women as we're like, oh, for some people like, it's like, oh, yay, the holidays are almost here. But for others, it's like, oh, my gosh, hold my hand. Yeah. Tell me I can get yeah. through this. I need to know I can make it through yeah. one more holiday season. So what encouragement would you have for us as we're beginning yeah. to kind of dive headlong into these issues? 
Yeah. So I've been a parent now almost 13 years and I've thought a lot about this over the years and I've had years where I've done better and years where I've been a stressed out ball of mess by the end of it. I've had years where I felt super disappointed by the end of it. Like I didn't do what I should have done as a mom. Kind of my emotions have run the gamut (laughs) for holidays. And I think that as women, we oftentimes are natural caretakers. A lot of the home management and the holiday planning falls on us kind of by default. You know, that's not always the case in every home, but it is in mine. So we are the ones thinking ahead about gift giving and hosting and coordinating holiday events and coordinating the family schedule. And adding that on top of our normal schedule and our normal duties, you know, as a mom, it adds another layer of stress or it can. But one of the things I've been wanting to do more in the last few years is to, and this is exactly why I'm so excited we're talking about this today, is to start now. And to really think about the big picture of the holidays. What do I want to see happen? Because, you know, about this time, as you guys know, the cultural messages are hitting us hard and heavy, Mm -hmm. right? I mean, advertising, you walk into Target, you walk wherever you're at. And no offense to those, you know, brands. It's just you're hearing a message, whether you like it or not. And it's going in one ear and it may stay in there. But, you know, the messages of you never have enough Mm. material gifts are going to be the key to our kids' happiness. Your food has to be memorable and fancy, and it probably needs to look like some of those tables on Pinterest if you're hosting. You know, I mean, there's so many things like that. We can't let our kids be disappointed. We've got to make it magical for them. I mean, even just saying that out loud, I'm like, uh, yeah, I'm going to not knock this one out of the park if that's the standard, right? I just can't do all that. The other thing I want to take note of that I've thought a lot about is the more over the years that I've made the holidays all about my kids and their wants, it's curious, the less that they are grateful. Yes. It breeds entitlement almost. Mm -hmm. Not always. I mean, and don't hear me say I don't want my kids to have a magical, fun Christmas or, you know holiday season. I do. I do. I really want to make it fun. That's my personality. I like to make things fun, but I have noticed that if I make it all about them and that it's, I sort of miss the mark. Yeah. Well, I think that, you know, just cognitively speaking, kids and teenagers already naturally tuned into themselves just by nature of the fact that they, their brains haven't developed a lot past their own Mm. selves and their own wants and desires and what's going to make them happy. And so I have done the exact same thing. And I have noticed the exact same thing is true that when we as a family turn towards them and giving them a magical Christmas and no disappointments, that it really does just sort of feed a cycle of self-centeredness. And I don't say that in a negative connotation, just like they're saying, you know, because their brains are centered on themselves. And then if they're like, okay, and the adults in my life are also centered on me, then that must mean that how happy I am on Christmas morning or whatever the holiday is, that is like how good of a holiday we had, how happy I am. And that's not a great Mm -hmm. message. We don't maybe mean to send it. I myself have done it. I have purchased fully, like spent our budget and been like, okay, this is going to be a good Christmas. And then, you know, the week before Christmas, I'm 
like you said, I'm at Target. I'm like, oh, I didn't think about this, but they would probably want this. And, you know, just like yes. overextending oh, the I always do that. Yes. Yeah. Overextending the budget. yourself. Yes. Did I get enough? Are they going to be happy? Oh, right. did I, am I fair? Yeah. Right. All that. Yes. Yeah. So I am just totally tracking with you because I'm like, I have been there and I have seen the reality of it. And again, it's like, it's not even a negative message about kids or kids in our culture. It's just kind of the way that it plays out when you're talking about kids and teens. It's just part of who they are already. Yeah. And to me, I think one of the things I've thought about the last few years, and I really, really want to do this going into this holiday season, is I want to sort of give my kids a bigger story. Yes. And it's not just about you. You know, yes, mom and dad love you and we love giving you good gifts. We love that. But there's a bigger story at play. When you think about the holidays, you know, if you really think about like Thanksgiving, Christmas, you know, for our Jewish friends, Hanukkah, and I know there's more, there's a really significant meaning behind these holidays and there's a historical significant meaning behind them. And I think we really miss that as a culture. If we don't slow down and think about it, you know, for our family, I kind of been thinking, I have three goals for our holidays and this might be different for other people, but for our particular family, you know, I think I want our family to connect on a deep and meaningful level over the holidays. And that includes our extended family who comes in because we always have my husband's dad comes in. He's a widower. He stays with us for the Thanksgiving holiday and for the Christmas holiday. We have other, his brother comes in who's divorced and has kids. And so, you know, I really want them to feel loved and that we connect on a deeper yeah. level. My second goal is I really want all of us and me included is to take our eyes off of ourselves and really look around for the needs of others yes. around us. And then our third big thing is I really want all of us to have thankful hearts for all that God mm -hmm. has done for us. And for me, that's an essential part of Thanksgiving and, you know, the Christmas story as well. So that's our family, you know, big picture for the holiday. I love that. And I think that this is the perfect time to mentally begin preparing. Like, what are the big things? What are the big rocks that we're going to put into our bucket that, you know, everything else will kind of trickle down around that, but we know what the big things are. And some of them may be more intangible, but some of them may be, you know, really tangible things. And I think that starting with a list of three is very realistic. And very approachable and is not overwhelming. And it will still, I think, at the end of the holiday season, allow you to feel like we accomplished some big things or we experienced some big things. Three feels like just the right place to land with that. So I love that idea. Yeah, to me, it gives me sort of a lens to choose what we're spending right. our time doing. Because as you know, as your kids get older, oh, there's just yes. so many things going on. It's like, you're invited to lots of parties, great parties. I want to go to all the parties. I'm an Enneagram seven. Yes. I love parties, but I can't do all the parties, right. you know, or you just get, there's so many good things to be doing, but how do you choose which ones are best for your family? Yeah. So great. Well, that really is a great transition into the next thing I wanted to ask you about, because one thing that I love about you and Polly's work at Thriving Home is it's very evident that it is so much more than like a food and recipe blog. You guys really look at family life holistically. And there's really a strong message that gathering together at the table, it's more than about eating a meal. Although sharing meals together is a very strong connection point 
for sure, mm-hmm. but you guys kind of even expand beyond the actual food that's being served. So I wanted to ask you, what can we be preparing right now to make holiday gatherings either more memorable or more engaged? Or like you said, one of your goals is to just like have a meaningful connection with family as they're there beyond food, which we're going to talk about in a minute, but beyond food, what are some things we can kind of be doing to gear up for that? Yeah. You know, I think for me, I'm just speaking of my personal experience, preparing as much of the food in advance and also just like asking people to help me and bring food. And so the more that you can kind of share the load with other people, prepare some things in advance. And I know we're going to talk about that in a few minutes, the more you're just sort of freed up to engage with your guests and not feel that low level of stress. Like I'm trying to cook and talk to people at the same time. So I've got lots of ideas on prepping food in advance, right? but one of the things that just hear me say, I feel like I'm a sort of mediocre host in some ways because I'm not a Pinterest mom. Like there are some of my friends are so, so gifted at like decorating and just making the whole thing amazing. But I just do what I feel like I can do and I'm decent at. So we do some simple things in our house to try to make it more meaningful. So I was just thinking about Thanksgiving. And one of the things that's been fun is we put up a thankful tree, which Mm. I know there's tons of, you know, tutorials about that online and on Pinterest. We do it really simple. My kids grab some branches out in the yard. We strip them of all their leaves and stick them in a big like vase Mm -hmm. that you can fill the bottom with corn kernels or candy corn or you know, something to kind of weigh it down. So you put these big branches in there and it starts to look like a tree. And then actually on Thriving Home, we have this really simple leaf template for free that you can download. You just print it off. Your kids can color the leaves. They can write out what they're thankful for on each leaf. And then you just hole punch it and stick some twine through it and you can hang it on the tree. So what we do for Thanksgiving is we have those leaves already ready to go and they're in a pile and we've got some Sharpies there. And so we have everybody who comes, adults, everybody, grandma and grandpa, we ask them, would you write, you know, a few things you're thankful for and stick them on the tree. And so then right before our meal, we go around and kind of share some of those as a family. I love that. My in-laws family, they have a longstanding Thanksgiving tradition of going around the table at some point and talking about what they're thankful for. But I love that, especially with kids, you can make it more concrete and they don't feel on the spot, like put on the spot to say something. They can really think about it. You know, younger kids are going to have their answers. I can tell you that my six-year-old twins will be thankful for Hulk and Spider-Man, you know? (laughs) That's so cute. Oh, my boys definitely would have been. Yes. The presence of the Marvel universe in their lives. They are thankful for that. Oh, yeah. You know, my older girls are teenagers and sometimes even with family, it can feel, especially depending on the kid's personality, it can feel a little overwhelming or maybe they get shy about saying some of those things. And so if you have prepared in advance and have them, you know, color, just jot some notes down, then they have that in front of them. They can even just read it and not feel like there's a lot of pressure. And I'll tell you what, I bet some adults would appreciate that too, honestly. Well, I think so. That's so funny you say that because I was kind of thinking about the adults in my family too, that it's kind of helpful. And it feels like my parents like love to do whatever my kids are excited about. Yes. So 
they're totally jump on board. And so I think it's fun kind of for grandparents and for the other adults to sort of be like, oh, I'm participating in, you know, something the kids put together. Yes, absolutely. Another idea, this is super simple. Also on our site, we've developed what's called table talk cards Mm. and we have sets for preschool age, for elementary and for teen and tween ages. And so we've got those printed off. And when people come over, I'll set those out sometimes. And it's just kind of fun. My kids think they're fun. And a lot of the questions are silly, but some of them are a bit more meaningful. Yes. That's always fun too. And I think sometimes, you know, especially as we are in a culture that can be, you know, we can maybe be not on the same page with everybody that we're gathered at the table with at the holidays. That's a good point. (laughs) If we have some structured conversation that keeps the topics neutral, then that might help kind of, you know, skirt around any of the more difficult topics that might come up if there's too much. That's a great point, Meg. I hadn't thought about that, but yeah. Did you ever see that Saturday Night Live skit where where Adele's hello, hello starts playing every single time there's a political conversation or something? (laughs) Love that. But see, table talk cards can be our Adele song. It It brings brings us all together. together. I love that. That's a hard idea though, just to have that where you can just kind of turn to them and then there's not these awkward lulls in the conversation where who knows what will get said. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Good point. Good point. I was just going to mention real quick too, for Christmas, we did this last year and it was so, so fun. It was like my favorite Christmas thing we did. We went to a Christmas Eve service, like an earlier one at church. And then we invited a few different families that we're friends with over and everybody brought an appetizer and a few people brought soup and we did a, just a giant white elephant exchange afterwards. I have never laughed so hard. We had so much fun and it was all ages, you know, it was like little kids, teenagers. It was just really fun to see everybody come together and everybody found food they liked. And then we just had so much fun sharing that event together. Love that. That sounds like a lot of fun and those can get really wild and crazy too, for sure. Oh yeah. And for sure, you know, there's some gifts you have to hang on to till the next year that you re-gift, you know, <laughs> it's like, I have some kind of porcelain clown in my closet that I cannot wait to wrap back wrap up and, up give and get else. it out of your house. For <laughs> sure. Totally. So great. Yeah. Well, we've kind of already touched yeah. on this, but I was just going to ask you too, because again, one of the things that I love on your site is I mean, you guys have literally years of resources for families and for preparing to host. And you guys have done a fantastic job of covering all different kinds of events and those types of things. Craft and activity wise, even if you don't have kids yourself, if you're single and you're hosting, or even if you wanted to, if you're, you know, going to someone else's house and you know, there's going to be a lot of kids there. What are some fun and easy go-to like activity type things that we can pull out that again, would be something entertaining for the kids and would kind of do the harder work of keeping people entertained as we have, you know, Mm. people coming in and out and eating and all of those types of things. Yeah. Yeah. One of the things that has been the biggest hit at our house for years, and I kind of do this periodically throughout the year, but at holidays, it really helps is to have a giant puzzle on your coffee table. And you could do a holiday themed one easily, but that brings all ages together. And it's really fun. Like that's one of my favorite things in our house is 
you know, like some neighbor will stop by and they're like, oh, your puzzle. And they'll like sit down and have to put a few pieces in or, you know, neighbor kid or aunt and uncle come and they work on it. So that's fun. And it's super easy. The other thing that Polly does this with her kids, I do a little different, but over the years I've collected a whole bunch of Christmas picture books and some short reads, but collecting holiday books, like really good, meaningful holiday books. And I set them out in a basket right around Thanksgiving Mm -hmm. weekend. I'll put them out. And so my kids and even adults too will come and pick them up when they're at my house and look at them, thumb through them. Polly does this really fun thing with her kids where she wraps them all up. And even though they've read them before, she just like wraps them up. And each night they open a new one and they read it before bed. I had a friend who did that too almost like an advent kind of activity, except it's reading books each night. And like you said, it does, you don't have to go out and buy 24, you know, brand new holiday books. Just, you know, look around Mm -hmm. what you already have or what you could find for cheap or for free somewhere and do it. Let Or even go to the library. I do that too. Yes. That's so fun. And kids, there's something about unwrapping, even if they already have seen what the thing is before, there's something so like, I know about unwrapping a thing. So that's always fun. Yeah. Yeah. I have other ideas too, especially for kids that we've done over the years. And again, it's going back to that goal of like taking our eyes off ourselves and trying to think of others, but just coming together with your kids and making some cookies. Even we have this super simple recipe on our site called Powerball cookies. They're just no bake cookies that you roll into little balls and, you know, package those up in little baggies or little containers, wrap a ribbon around it and have the kids deliver it to a neighbor or to somebody that you think might need some encouragement over the holidays. Yeah. Another one, this, a friend of mine does this and we're going to try it this year. I'm really excited about it. She for years has, they have designated a certain amount of cash that they want to give to their kids right at the beginning of December. And they say, this money is for you to give to someone Mm. in need. So over the next few weeks, I want you to be looking around and see what need is there in our community that you want to give to. And I thought, what a cool way, right? For your kids. And she said that it's been amazing to watch her kids just really be on the lookout for other people's needs. She told me a couple of different stories of like how her kids delivered. I guess they knew someone who had cleaned their house before, who her family lived in a tiny trailer and you know they need strap mm-hmm. for cash and this little boy was like mommy what if we gave it to her and so they drove out to her house and they gave it to her or you know to her trailer and so just things yes. like that I think can help our kids look to the needs of others that is the perfect way to really work that in really organically into your family's holiday plans and like you were saying earlier help them to take all of the focus off of them and just like be able to spread some of that generosity around and really emphasize what is meaningful in your family culture that really comes to the surface during the holidays. We are Mm -hmm. big on celebrating Advent in our family. It's a very like formal part of our lead up to Christmas. And a lot of the Advent materials that are aimed at families or at kids will definitely work in just little things that you can do to reach out and, you know, try to bring happiness, cheer, 
or a spirit of generosity to people besides yourselves. And so that's always a helpful thing, I think, too. And again, it doesn't feel like it's just one more thing that you have to do. It's just kind of flows into the rhythm of what you're doing anyway. So yeah, agree, agree. So great. Okay. Well, this is the big question. And now I'm just going to turn this whole thing over to you because this is not my area of expertise at all, which is why I'm so glad that you're here to talk to us about when it comes to food, what can we do right now to begin preparing food either, you know, for our freezers or be looking for, oh, recipes that would involve maybe like our instant pot or our slow cooker, anything that is going to take the pressure off of us during like crunch time during the holidays. What would you tell us to do, Rachel, right now so that we can be prepared to have an awesome holiday together with our families. Yeah, absolutely. So this is why I'm a freezer cooking evangelist, freezer meal evangelist, whatever. I think freezer cooking really frees you up to be less stressed. It frees you up to be with your people, the people you love. And so, yeah, if we can be thinking now, even like spend an hour on a weekend prepping a few things for maybe you're hosting people like I am, maybe family comes and stays with you, or maybe you're just having everybody to your house for one day. Either way, you can be prepping some things ahead of time. So I'm going to mention some recipes. And I was thinking, Meg, that we can actually create a landing page for your listeners. That'd be great. We'll have all those recipes for them. We'll have some freebies for your people as well. We've got this ebook called Top 10 Easy Real Food Freezer Meals that are the ones that are Polly's and my favorite and like anybody can make them. Oh, um, so Meg, I want to challenge you okay. to get that. I'm going I'm to send it okay. to you and I'm going to challenge you to make at least one of okay. those okay. Feel like, <laughs> for your family. I feel like I can handle one. If you were going to challenge me to all stand, I would be like, oh my God, <laughs> I don't know. Polly and I are like, baby steps. You know, wherever you're at, yes. if you can just take one baby step towards, you know, I can do that. I can take a baby step. I can prepare one freezer meal. Try it out. See how easy it is. So one of the things that I think people can be doing, especially if you have an instant pot, but if you have a slow cooker, this works too, is I think that soup is such a great thing to serve to large groups. Whether you're having mm, yes. people stay for a few days and you want to have, you know, easy meals at night or for lunch, or like we did Christmas Eve is always our soup night or Christmas night could be a soup night. Mm-hmm. So this is what's cool about the Instant Pot. This is like, to me, one of the reasons it's worth it is you can actually prepare soup ahead of time. You don't even have to cook it, like just prep it all together, get it all together, freeze it in the shape of your Instant Pot. And then Mm. when you're ready to cook it, you will dump it into the Instant Pot. So you like, you know, kind of run it under the outside of the container under a little warm water enough to like squeeze it out of there, dump it into the Instant Pot, like this frozen block of soup. And then you just push the saute button and start to saute it for a few minutes to release some liquid because do you have an Instant Pot, Meg? I don't. I don't. But I'm just like fascinated and listening like this sounds so brilliant. So the Instant Pot needs steam to come to pressure. So it cooks your food through pressure. It's a you know, new vamp kind of way of cooking with pressure. So anyway, you can plop this frozen soup in there and, you know, put the lid on and cook it, set it, forget it kind of deal. And then within, you know, half an hour, you've got like 
fully cooked soup that you did hardly anything with. Mm-hmm. And that's great to have on hand when you have people in your house and that kind of thing. Um, you can even teach your kids to do that. Yes. That is so smart. So oh my gosh. Yes. Large yeah. Get your ones. kids in there. That would, <laughs> yeah. Make the kids do the work. A few large batch yes. ones that we do are instant pot tomato soup. I mean, like kids love that. You could do grilled cheese with it real easily. Slow cooker cheddar and bacon potato soup is on our blog and it's, oh my gosh, it's to die for. I mean, that is like the quintessential holiday soup, right? It there. sounds amazing. It's so good. Yes. And that's a slow cooker recipe on our blog. We've also got this slow cooker turkey chili with sweet potatoes. That's one of the mm. reader favorites. So anyway, we have tons of soup recipes and in our first cookbook and then this cookbook that's coming out from freezer to cooker. In both of our cookbooks, we have so many amazing soup recipes that you can make in your slow cooker or instant pot. Yeah. So, okay. My other tip is I love appetizer dinners and I think kids like those too. And this is a chance where you can make a few things ahead of time. You can ask people to bring things that kind of thing too. But we have this recipe for ham and cheese sliders that kids love. Mm. can make those ahead, freeze them. And also Asian lettuce wraps. You can make the filling in your slow cooker or instant pot and you can freeze that. And then all you have to do is kind of warm it up and have it in the slow cooker. And then everybody can fill their little lettuce wraps. Another easy one, this is a kid favorite or just, you know, those mini English muffin pizzas. Oh, yes. My kids love those. Yeah. Okay. So just here's a tip. Maybe you already do this, but that is an easy peasy freezer meal. So you could prep those on the weekends in bulk, like even make your kids help you with them because they can customize them. And then you freeze them before you bake them and they can go straight from freezer to the oven. I had no idea. See, I would never think of that as being like a freezer meal. That is so smart. That's actually in our first cookbook from freezer to table. We just, I know it's a simple recipe, but it's like, it is one of those things where a lot of people don't think about it. Okay. So then the other thing you can do that can save you time is think ahead about side dishes you want to provide. So maybe you want to, you know, sometimes like I even pick up my meat somewhere else, right? Like you'll get some brisket from a local restaurant or something, but you can provide the side dishes and that makes it really special. So we've got two on our blog that you can make ahead and freeze. One is the ultimate twice baked potatoes. And I haven't met a man, woman, child who doesn't love that. Oh my (laughs) gosh, that sounds good. Yes. Or easy hash brown casserole. So you can make it from scratch. You People will be like, oh, that's homemade, you know, but you can make that ahead of time and freeze it as well. So smart. Yeah. Yeah. So side dishes. The other thing that's really great to have on hand when people are staying with you are baked goods and baked goods actually freeze really well if you package them the right way. So my family loves baked oatmeal. I don't know if you guys have ever tried that. Have you ever tried the Definitely. Okay. So you can make those ahead of time. Don't bake it. You freeze it. When you're ready to use it, you got to thaw it in the refrigerator. You know, you think to take it out, out a little bit ahead of time. And you can bake that the morning of having people over or, you know, make some muffins or scones even ahead of time. We have this recipe. I make it literally every other week for my kids. So on Sunday, like yesterday is kind of my prep meal prep day. I don't have a lot of time to cook during the week. 
I make, I double this recipe for, it's called banana chocolate chip breakfast cake. It's in our first cookbook. And my kids literally, when they see that, they're like cheering. (laughs) That sounds incredible. But it's good for you. It's, I use a hundred percent whole wheat, the white whole wheat variety. So, you know, that's good for them. It's got pumpkin in it, bananas in it, not a ton of sugar, and it tastes great. I mean, my husband, who's picky, he's like farm boy picky. He loves that stuff. So I can't say enough good things about that breakfast cake. And then Polly and I were talking about this this morning. She makes pumpkin dump cake ahead of time and gets it all ready to go. It's super easy. That's also one on our site that people can use. We have a great recipe for that. You just prep that ahead of time, have it in the fridge. And then when your guests arrive, you can pop it in the oven. Have you ever had a pumpkin dump cake? I have, yes. And that is so smart to... It does go together really quickly, but then to even just make it, to take even one more step towards making it so easy and just have it ready to slide right into the oven. It's so smart. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. This is really fun too. And people love this and it makes your house smell amazing, but we have this recipe for slow cooker pumpkin spice latte. So, you know, like the one you get at Starbucks Mm -hmm. that everybody goes crazy over, you can make it in large batch at home. And have it, you know, in your slow cooker and like everybody can just take the ladle and make their own and put a little whipped cream on top or whatever. And that's really a special fun thing. Yes. So much cheaper too than going through through a local coffee place. Heck yeah, (laughs) for sure. So those are kind of some special holiday ideas. Another thing Polly and I were brainstorming about this morning as we were thinking through this question was what are some things you could sort of have on hand when you're hosting? Mm -hmm. She said, I always have frozen cookie dough on hand in the freezer. So whether you make it yourself or, you know, buy it, I told her, I said, I cannot have frozen cookie dough in the freezer because that is my kryptonite. I cannot have that there. I always want to eat frozen cookie dough. (laughs) So our deacon's wife, when we first announced that we were pregnant with this baby, she like immediately made up these batches of frozen cookie dough for us to put in our freezer for when the baby is born. Oh my gosh, Rachel. <laughs> even, with putting them, even with putting them downstairs in our basement in our like deep freeze, they did not make yeah. it until June when the baby was no. born. They were gone. And it was all of us. We all love frozen cookie dough. So <laughs> yes. Oh yeah. Who doesn't love frozen cookie dough? Yeah. So that's one idea. One of the things I always do when we have family staying with us is one of the nights we just do a taco bar. And you can make the taco meat ahead of time, or you could use, our, we have a great recipe for carnitas mm. in our first cookbook, but we've also got it on our blog and you can make them in the instant pot. So, you know, take a pork shoulder and you make this amazing marinade that's very simple and you cook in the instant pot and it just shreds. And that just kind of takes taco bar to a new level, you know, when you've got carnitas there. Yeah. but. To me, that's like every age likes that. I also really like to have deli meat, sandwich makings on hand. We don't always do this, but like it's helpful to have paper products, you know, when you're hosting large groups. Mm. So just a couple of tips from our home to yours. That is so helpful. And it actually really does. I have to tell you, I don't know why, but I have felt like that freezer cooking involved like a ton of really complicated prep work on the front end. 
and just trying to figure out when would I even do that? But this is feeling like, oh my gosh, this is some stuff that I already make anyway. So how can I, you know, make things a little bit easier on myself by utilizing doing a little freezer cooking? So smart. Well, and that's a great point. I mean, I think so many people, you're already doing the work during the week to cook for your family. We always say a great first step or, you know, toe in the baby pool of freezer cooking is just simply to double one of your meals during the week, freeze one for later. So like last night, it was so awesome. I opened the freezer and I was like, it was one of those days I was like, what are we having for dinner? I don't know. Open the freezer and there's a shrimp coconut curry, which happens to be like one of my kids, one of our favorite, not all my kids, never all the kids, right? Like there's always one naysayer. (laughs) But anyway, I had made that two months ago. I had doubled the sauce. I had bought extra frozen shrimp and extra frozen stir fry veggie. And that was all in the freezer. It was ready to go. So, you know, just doing that, you know, you're going to make tomato soup, double it, freeze half of it. Just so smart to have that on hand later. Definitely is. And like Rachel said, you know, we'll put a link in our show notes for this sort of awesome landing page at Thriving Home so that you guys can find links to some of these recipes that she's mentioned. But I also, of course, want to talk about your second cookbook, which is coming out. So your first one was called From Freezer to Table. Yes. So that one was sort of our first book where we talk about what is freezer cooking? What are the basics of it? And then how can you make it a lifestyle? And we walk through, you know, one of the things we talk about is doubling, you know, a meal a week and you can do it that way. But we talk a lot about how do you do Mm. it in community? And so we tell our stories about both of us were in freezer clubs. I was in a freezer club for seven years with my friends, like for seven years, we cooked for each other. And it took different forms over that time. And, you know, kind of people came in, came out and that kind of stuff. But one of the really cool, and this is a side note, one of the super cool benefits of that is some of those women are some of my best friends today. Yes. And so we don't still cook for each other regularly, but we learned how to cook together. We, you know, talked about raising kids together. We got together once a month and had fun, had a glass of wine, had dessert, you know, talked about food. So. Anyway, we walk through, you know, how do you start a freezer club? What does it look like to do that? Even before that, maybe you want to throw a freezer party. And so we have a whole chapter about what does it look like to throw Mm. a freezer cooking party where you come together and you can actually cook together. And that's a fun, fun event to do with friends. It might be something that you want to do in November so that you can stock your freezer for December when things are Totally. Yes. Love that idea. And so now you guys have this second one coming out from freezer to cooker. Tell us a little bit about what direction you took with the second cookbook. Yeah. So from freezer to cooker is there's really nothing on the market like it because every single recipe is made with whole foods. So like, just like our first book, we really care a lot about using kind of real food ingredients, but not weird ingredients. You know, we want to make sure these are things that you recognize that you probably have in your pantry, that kind of thing. Our recipes, we try to be really family friendly. Every recipe in From Freezer to Cooker works both in the slow cooker and in the Instant Pot. And we give you instructions if you'd like to make it into a freezer meal for later, you can do that as well. To be candid, we've never worked on something so hard in our life. We worked for over two years 
testing these recipes, getting it right. We have 500 people on our recipe testing team who also helped us get these recipes right. So we're really, really excited to get it into people's homes. And we think it's going to be an answer to the busy parent who really values having family dinner time, but doesn't have the time to cook up a big meal every single night. Yeah, These are things that you can, you know, kind of make ahead and throw it in the slow cooker or quickly throw it in the instant. I think this is going to be a huge, huge help to so many families. So it comes out in January, but you know, I know that these days in the book publishing industry, it's all about pre-ordering. All of the publishers want people to pre-order and all of that. So tell us where we can find it and just anything we need to know about getting it, especially, you know, some of us maybe want to put it on our wish list for asking it for a holiday, even if it doesn't get into your hands until January, you know, making plans right now to grab it when it first comes out. Yeah, exactly. So you can read more at from freezer to cooker.com, but it's being sold at all major booksellers. So you can, you know, stop in at Barnes and Noble or look on Amazon. It's there. Well, I guess it's not on the shelf at Barnes and Noble yet, but yes. it'll be on their site right now for pre-order. I think it's on Target and Walmart. So yeah, it's at all these different outlets. And like you said, you can pre-order it. And even, you know, how fun would it be to like give somebody a little card that says, hey, there's a yes. gift coming January 14th. It'll land on your porch. And I think with our last cookbook, it even landed on people's porches a day or two early. Yeah. So And if you're getting an instant pot for Christmas or a slow cooker, this would be a great asset to have with it, I think. That's what I was just thinking. I know instant pots are a huge holiday gift, either that people ask for or sometimes just go out and buy it for themselves. Mm -hmm. So that is so smart and perfect timing because in January, you know, we're always thinking, okay, this is it. This is going to be the year where I, you know, like I tackle the kitchen and I get my meal planning done and all of this. So that's perfect timing for that. Yeah, for sure. Okay, well, before we go, if you could remind our awesomes where we can find you, find the blog, all of those things on social media. Yep. So our site is thrivinghome.org. And you can find all those recipes I talked to you about today on there and links to our cookbooks are on there as well. You can find us. We're really active on Facebook and on Instagram. So just look up our handle at Thriving Home and you'll find us there. That sounds great. We will definitely put links in the show notes, you guys, for all of this information. So you can go check out the cookbooks and the work they're doing at Thriving Home. Just as a reminder, you can find me on social media at Sorta Awesome Meg. The show is over on Twitter at Sorta Awesome Pod. And you can find us anytime on Facebook at facebook.com slash Sorta Awesome. Rachel, thank you so much for taking the time to come and kind of like Hold our hands, really. Virtually hold our hands. Tell us that we're going to be able to do it. We're going to have a great holiday season and we're going to start working on it right now. This has been very helpful. I so appreciate your time. I'm so glad to hear that. I just hope everybody can just take, like I said, just like one thing that we talked about today and just, you know, make it awesome. Yes, definitely. (laughs) Definitely. Well, you guys, thanks so much for listening and we'll see y'all next time. Sorta Awesome was created and is hosted by me, Meg Teets. Sarah Robertson is our assistant producer and production collaboration comes from Kelly Gordon and Rebecca Hoffer. Kelly Gordon is our digital media producer and we are so thankful for the ongoing support from our listener supporters. Music is provided by the band Prager. You can find more of Prager's music at pragermusic.com. To find show notes on this and every episode of Sorta Awesome, and also to spread the Sorta Awesome love to all of your friends, you can head on over to sortaawesomeshow.com. 